0: you guys want to go ahead and open up to Colossians chapter 2 tonight, back in Colossians. my Oh yeah, if you need a physical Bible, come up and get one from the front of the stage. Um, it would be awesome if you used a physical Bible and not the Bible on your phone, but if you have to use the Bible on your phone. Please only be on the Bible and not on anything else, okay? So we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2 tonight, verses 6 through 15. My friend Nate recently told me he feels like we've been in Colossians for a really long time. Do you guys feel the same way? Kind of? Well, let me tell you this. We're only in chapter 2, so we got a ways to go. But Colossians is a great book that we get to learn a lot about Christ from. And hopefully, we're praying to the good Lord above that we don't have to miss any more Wednesdays because of snowstorms. Am I right? I'm right, maybe. Okay, thank you. Good talk, everyone. Okay, Colossians chapter 2. So does anyone remember, like, learning how to walk? Like, does anyone remember back that far? No? Right. But every what? Exactly, you probably can't. But everyone in here at some point obviously had to learn to walk, Right. Yes, so we learned, (laughs) someone said no, okay, that didn't go where I thought it was going to, so, you know, you learn to walk when you're, like, a small child, but then, like, if you play certain sports or are a part of certain other activities, you have to learn to walk in other ways, so, like, for instance, I was in band um, growing up and in high school, so I had to learn how to, like, march, and that was a very different walk than what I learned what I learned um, whenever I was a toddler learning how to walk, right? And then on the flip side of things, I was also in cheer, which was an extremely different type of walking that I needed to do for competitions than even what was happening in um, band, right? One was really fast and very abrupt, and one was slow and very smooth. And the point of this is is that I had to learn to walk in multiple different ways um, growing up. Now, And especially when I was in high school doing those two different activities, I wasn't always very good at um, the activities or the walking that I was supposed to be doing. In fact, I often fell flat on my face and cheer because I was supposed to be walking so fast. And in band, I just was never in step, which is fine. But I failed often, but I was always learning, right? And tonight, we are going to talk about learning how to walk in Christ, Right, we see earlier in Colossians chapter 1 that Paul talks about walking in a uh, worthy manner, walking in a way that is worthy of the high calling of Christ. And we're going to look um, and study how to do that, how to walk in Christ, how to be filled in Christ, or filled with Christ, excuse me, and then how to receive life from Christ, okay? So let's read Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of us our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, thank you um, for being faithful to your people, even when time and time again we are unfaithful to you, Lord. Thank you for the grace that you pour out on us and the mercy and love you give us. Lord, we ask that as we open your word tonight and we study what you say through your apostle Paul, we ask that you give us ears to hear and a heart to listen. Lord, we ask that you save Anyone in this room tonight who does not know you, Lord, if there is someone here, we ask that, they, that you bring them into a right relationship with you. Replace their heart of stone with a heart of flesh, God. And Lord, we ask that you help us learn to walk in a manner worthy of the high calling to which you have called us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So up until this point, Paul has been writing his opening, right? It's been a really long opening. From Colossians 1.1 1, 1, all the way through 2.5. But now we have finally made it to Paul's thesis sentence for the entirety of Colossians. Now raise your hand if you know what a thesis sentence is. I remember learning about thesis sentences in, a, I don't know, middle school or high school sometime, and I was horrible at writing thesis sentences, and I still have to write them for classes, and I'm still probably pretty bad at it. Um, I'm not going to lie, but Paul, I mean, he's Paul, but he was good at it, and he wrote this one right here in verses six and seven. He says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, up until this point, Paul had been writing a theology of Christ or Christology, telling us about why Christ should be preeminent, laying a foundation for what we believe and why we believe it, right? But now Paul is giving us a way to put action steps to these words. He's teaching us how to walk on this foundation that he has given us already. And first thing he tells us to do, after you have received Jesus Christ, walk in. In Him. And when you walk in Jesus Christ, you surrender to Him, you're in complete obedience and submission to Him. But how, you might be saying, Maddie, like, how do I do that? Well, first, we see that you walk in Him by being rooted in the faith, right? Rooted, sounds a lot like that word abide that we talked about at Big Weekend. John 15, for whoever abides in me bears much fruit, right? You, ab- you are rooted in Christ by abiding in him, and you abide in Christ by seeking the things that Christ has given us, like the word, like the written word of God. We must be nourished by the source of life, who is Jesus Christ Himself. And as you are being rooted, In him, these roots grow deeper and deeper, and they provide stability and keep us from shifting in a crazy world that constantly tells us to believe this or believe that or that the Bible isn't real or that Jesus was just a good person. But rather, if you are rooted in Christ, you will stay stabilized and not shifting to the left or to the right, but rather being faithful to what the text has called us to. So that's the first way you walk in Christ. But then the second way we see is to be built up in him. So you walk with Christ by growing in Christ, which probably sounds a lot like being rooted, right? You have to be rooted in Christ in the same way you have to grow in Christ. But you grow in Christ by growing deeper in your spiritual or your personal spiritual walk, right? By spending time with him daily. Or starting to spend time with him a couple of times a week if you've never spent any personal time with the Lord. Read the word that he has given to us. Seek him in prayer so that you may be growing in him. But second, you also grow in Christ by growing deeper corporately. Which means just together as a whole with the church body you grow in Christ by coming and worshiping him on sunday mornings by coming and worshiping him on wednesday evenings by going to connect groups by doing the things in a corporate setting where you can worship god with your brothers and sisters you grow in him by going to d groups and being held accountable to walk in a manner worthy of which he has called you to so Paul is challenging believers here to grow both personally in their spiritual life, but also corporately in their spiritual life. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, um, just as you were taught, to so do it just the way you were taught, but then abound in steadfast love. Or, um, excuse me, steadfast thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. When you are rooted and growing in Christ, there's no other Um, option than thanksgiving and gratitude. That is what will pour out. That is what will spill out. It will naturally make itself evident in your acts of worship and your acts of kindness towards others. Because when you are being shaped by what the Bible is teaching you and following what the voice of the Lord is telling you to do, you will constantly be worshiping the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things. Paul is calling us here after telling us all about who Christ is in the first chapter, about how he is preeminent, and he is in all and through all, and he holds all things together. Paul is telling us here how we can walk intimately with Jesus Christ, the one who sustains all. So I ask you tonight, what are you doing to be rooted in Christ? Are you reading His Word? If you're not reading it even one time a day a week, one time a week, sorry, start small. Implement it a couple of times and grow from there. How are you growing in Christ? Are you coming to corporate worship and are you personally worshiping Him? And then three, are you overflowing with gratitude and thankfulness? And how do you even know? how can you even see that? But Paul doesn't just stop there with saying, "Walk in Christ." right? He goes on to talk about how, oops, sorry, how we are filled with Christ. So as you guys know, so much of the uh, letter to the Colossians was about the false teachings that were entering the Colossian church. People were adding to the gospel. People were taking away from the gospel. People were just flat out calling the gospel a lie. And here, Paul tells us why we can trust Christ and why we don't have to um, follow those shallow teachings, right? And one of my very, very favorite TV shows, The Main Lady, um, drinks a whole, whole lot of coffee, Like, not just at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but, like, four times in between. Like, breakfast and lunch, and then lunch and dinner. And then also, like, right before she goes to bed. But, like, she drinks just regular coffee all the time. It's her favorite drink. And her friend um, oftentimes tries to, like, trick her and give her decaf coffee. Because he's like, regular coffee is bad for you, you know. But anytime she takes that decaf cup of coffee and drinks it, she immediately knows that that decaf coffee is decaf, right? He doesn't trick her, and she knows that because she knows so well what the regular coffee is supposed to taste like. She drinks it so much. She loves it so much. She has studied it so much that she knows what regular coffee is supposed to taste like, and he can't trick her with the decaf coffee, Now, I love coffee, but I don't love it that much. So you could probably trick me with some decaf coffee, and I should probably start drinking more. But that is how we should be in our study of the Bible. We should know the truth that the Lord is teaching us through his word. So that if anyone tries to come in with false teaching that maybe sounds right, we can immediately say, no, that's not what I love. No, that's not what I know. No, that's not what the Bible says. And we can know that because we are in the Bible. Listen, Paul tells us that these philosophies and this empty deceit, it takes you captive. But he also goes on to say that these are not according to Christ. So you can know these false teachings, these shallow teachings, these empty teaching, teachings, excuse me, by being rooted in Christ like we talked about earlier. Because these empty traditions, they stand, in to, they stand in direct contradiction to what Paul told us earlier. These empty traditions are not going to hold you steadfast when the world is swaying back and forth. Right? And these empty traditions, they deny the sufficiency of Christ. They deny that he is enough, that he can fill, or that, first of all, that he is filled, or he has the fullness of deity in his body. They deny that he is God. They say he is just a good person. These empty teachings take away from the sufficiency of Christ. But even Paul says, you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Christ is far and above more sufficient than any of those um, teachings could ever be. None of those teachings ever stand a chance. And because you can be filled with Christ, because you can um, have the fullness of Christ within you, That leaves no other room for any of these empty and false doctrines. Being filled with Christ means that every believer possesses what they need. Because they have been saved by faith through Christ. And this far supersedes all of the other deceptive and empty promises of other teachings. All of the other teachings will fail you. But Christ will not and not only that, the sufficiency or the enoughness, right, of Christ being able to save humans, sinners, people who are dead in their trespasses, and then the supremacy or the firstness of Christ shows us that we must worship him and deny anything that takes away from that sufficiency. And we know that when we are filled by him, we, were, we will not be lacking in any way. Because he is not lacking in any way. So, in what areas of your life do you tend to de- uh, deny the sufficiency of Christ? Do you ever try to be good enough to save yourself? Do you ever try to be self sufficient? My D group and I recently talked about trying to be self sufficient and how that reveals itself in our lives and it often reveals itself itself when we're trying to depend on ourselves rather than Christ it, it reveals itself as prayerlessness anger and trial being scared to ask for help right but we are not self sufficient only god is but because of the sufficiency of Christ we can be filled with him and not be lacking in any way So lastly, we see that we receive life from Christ. Let's read again verses 11 through 15, if I can find it. It says, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ he disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Christ is the one who gives life. And without Christ, you are dead in your trespasses. There is absolutely nothing you can do to save yourself. But God, He makes you alive. Together with Jesus Christ, when you put your faith in the work of Christ, in the sufficiency of what Christ did by being nailed to the cross, right? It says he took your trespasses and he nailed it to the cross. And by doing so, he disarmed the um, enemy. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and he put them to shame because he defeated death. He was raised again. And he sits at the right side of the Father, right? And you and I can have a relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. He gives life. But without him, you can't. You're dead in your trespasses. But not only that, he goes on to give us a sign of being one of God's people. In the Old Testament, The Israelites were told to be circumcised in Genesis as a sign of God's covenant with his people. He told the Israelites to be circumcised as a sign that they are God's chosen people. Right? But in the New Testament, that sign of being God's chosen people, of being one of God's sons or daughters, is baptism. That's the sign of the new covenant with God's people. It's the sign of God's covenant with those he has saved by faith. And let me tell you this your baptism does not save you, but it is a symbol of what Jesus has done in your life. Because when you get up into that baptistry, There will be something said like, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Jesus in baptism. Right? Raised to walk in the newness of life. And that's what Paul is saying here. You are buried with Jesus in baptism. But you can be raised to walk in new life. Before Jesus, you could not. But with Jesus... And because of the sufficiency of Jesus, nothing that you did but because of what Jesus did, you can be made alive. And listen, being baptized is an act of obedience to the Father. And it's an act of obedience that comes after your salvation. So if you are baptized as a small kid, a small child and then became, and then had a profession of faith, and then became a believer, you were just put in some water, right? That was not baptism. That was not a sign of God's covenant. So if that's you tonight, if you're like, Maddie, I was baptized in third grade, but I actually became a believer in ninth grade, you need to be baptized. And I'm not just saying this. Because, like, that's what we do as a church. Like, we want our numbers to go up. I'm saying this because that is what the Bible tells us to do. And even more, or not even more so, on the same note, if you are in here and you have made a profession of faith and you've never been baptized before, then you need to be baptized. Dylan's probably texted you at some point this week and asked about your baptism. And it just was... The work of God that this worked out together. But first and foremost, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, you need to be saved. You need to be able to walk in Him, be filled with Him, because you have received life from Jesus Christ. Our identity is found in Christ's work. Our identity is defined by who we know, which is Christ, what he has done, which has paid the price by canceling the record of our debt and forgiving us all of our trespasses, right? And then all that he offers, which, which is a life that we get to worship him, be in a right relationship with God the Father, and do that for eternity. A life where we get to go and tell others, about this good and perfect gift from above. So as we close tonight, as the band comes up, as we, as we transition to a time of invitation, first and foremost, I ask you, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Can you say that you walk in him and are filled with him because you have received life with him, from him, excuse me, Because if you haven't, don't leave here tonight. I say this every week, but don't leave here tonight without talking to someone about your salvation. Secondly, if you haven't been baptized, but you know Jesus is Lord, let's get you baptized. Talk to Dylan, talk to me, talk to any of the adults in here, and we'll make it happen. But finally, if you're in here and you're like, Maddie, I'm saved, I'm baptized, but I'm not walking Faithfully with the Lord. I let other things come in so that I might deny the sufficiency of Christ. Turn to the Lord and confess that. Repent of that and ask Him to help you walk in Him because He is sufficient and He sustains. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for these students that you brought tonight. I ask that as we transition to a time of worship, Lord. That um, you just help us remember who you are and what you've done, Lord. I ask that you save people tonight. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.